Pat winning? Yeah. On to the, on to the Senate. No? <laughs> Senator Pat Ricketts? I don't know. It kind of sounds good to me. All right. Okay. Not to be confused with Pete Ricketts, just so you all know. He's, uh, all right. Well, I wish, uh, I wish Becky was here. Um, we, uh, we spent time before she left town uh, this morning. Last night we went through all the questions, so I've got some of her input. Uh, she actually went home to be with her mom, who's 89 years old, and um, you want to grab those times. And Beck knew that she wouldn't get up there the rest of this year, so she wanted to make sure and have some time with her mom. So uh, this, is, this is totally mom time for, uh, for Becky. She's going to just totally, you know, devote herself to her mom. Um, and I'm going to say, say something about that here in a minute. But I also wish Greg and Nikki were here um, uh, to do like a check on me as I'm talking. Um, you know, that really, that would, that would be ideal if, if, they could, if they could both be here, Becky and, and Greg, because then they could smile and you could tell, you know, like when I'm way off on something. And, um, <laughs> It's kind of like when Beck and I would start telling the same thing again. Your parents ever do that, you know? And, and then you'd see your, back when the kids were still in high school, and then you'd, you'd see them looking at each other, like we're doing that again, you know, telling that. So, but, um, of course, you know, last time I was here, I mentioned that Joel and Nikki grew up with our kids. So, um, you guys can maybe be my check. You can say, that's not what they said, you know, so... Um, but speaking of gratitude, maybe Jeff said this last week, or uh, um, don't forget to show gratitude to your parents. Um, I, if your kids are not in high school yet, you, you're probably not feeling too insecure yet. You know, like, how am I doing? Uh, though that can start pretty early, right? Um, where you start second-guessing yourself, you know, or comparing yourself with other parents, and you see your own, your own, uh, your own weaknesses, they're, they're right in front of you, and, and um, other parents seem to just have it all together, and, and uh, I don't know if maybe I'm the only one who ever felt that way, but, um, okay, there, there should be, there, one of the questions that was uh, given to me is, uh, um, is there a book that's provided that you could get to answer hard questions? And we have a couple of those for you on a piece of paper on your table, half sheet, um, somewhere there you can find it. So I won't, I won't answer that one. That's, that question's answered for you. A couple resources that you can take home. Dig in, you can find it, okay? All right, let's, um, question is, uh, what did family devotions look like in very practical terms in your family with Becky and the kids? Um, I was going to bring it with me and I forgot it. Uh, we, we went through several copies of, of, and I don't even know if they printed it anymore, it was called the Bible Story Book back when our kids were very young, um, before they were even in elementary school, uh, that we just thought, we thought it was fantastic. At the end of it, it had uh, very good questions. And um, 
Um, so we, we would just, not, nothing magical, you know, I, I'm a pastor, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any kind of a, I don't have a corner on the market on, on, you know, how to do family devotions. Like, it wasn't something they taught us in seminary or anything like that. We're in the same place as everybody else. Um, but we really, really loved it. Um, and if you're all interested, we can, we can find out if that book is still in print. Uh, we used it before they were in elementary uh, um, and, um, and then really up, uh, up until early elementary, um, it, it, it had, um, it was kind of a mix of, um, actually it, it did its own version, a shortened version of scripture. So we, it, we were actually covering both the old and the new Testament and we just kept doing it over and over again, uh, with the kids. I mean, it was so much repetition, so much repetition of the same thing. But kids love repetition, they don't mind. And you know, we'd mix it up with uh, t talking ourselves uh, about the stories and you know, adding a little bit to them and, and all of that. The best thing I can say to you, as far as uh, having a quality Bible study with your kids, uh, one of the most important things you can do is read through the Bible yourself. Um, you know, so you're, you're familiar with all the stories. And you, you can identify stories that you can tell your kids that they could really connect with. I mean, you don't want to, it's, it's probably not a good idea to be reading the, Bible, you know, reading the Bible with your kids and go, ah, that is a great story. Never heard that one before. You know, I mean, I, I, your, your, your kids are going to, you know, they'll, they'll learn from what you do as much as, you know, in your own personal life as they, as they do if you're having your your personal time studying scripture with them. Um, when they got into early uh, elementary, um, and we would, um, we would, there was a, a, a Ken Taylor Bible um, that uh, had stories with Bible verses that we used. I'm, I'm just saying this to you to show you that we didn't have anything like, wow, you know, that was, um, spectacular. It was just very, very basic, going through scripture over and over again, telling the same stories over and over again. Uh, I can't emphasize how important repetition is for kids. And we would, um, when the kids got into elementary, we would actually take turns praying in their room. Becky would pray with one and while I'd be praying with the other and then, then we'd switch. And we look back on that time when we really, really value it. Uh, gave them opportunity to have very personal time with us and also hearing both of us pray for them. It just became a very, a very special time uh, for them, okay? Um, I'll just, I'll keep going through these. Let's try to cover as many as, many as I can. How, how did you handle the pressures, perceptions, expectation of being a pastor's family? The only reason I'm gonna answer this one is uh, I think what, what what we're gonna say, what I'll say here really applies across the board. Um, we didn't have expectations on our kids because they were pastor's kids. Um, and I, I, I think in some ways that should go all the way across the board. Don't, don't create expectations on your kids because of something other than what should really be a true expectation. You know, don't base it on a, on a false, false kind of a thing. I mean, that would have been, such a mockery to our kids if we would have said, well, you gotta behave this way because, you know, um, okay. 
Um, other people in the church might have had expectation, but we didn't. And I would say both Greg and Nikki handled differently um, what it was like being a pastor's kid. Um, so, it, whatever. That's, uh, did your kids hit a rebellious stage? No, our kids never were rebellious. Um, they were absolutely perfect. What? What? <laughs> oh, I'm still hearing stories. Uh, there's just good stuff that's better not to know, you know. Don't ask. Don't ask. Um, um, if so, how did you handle that without losing them? Uh, you know, Beck and I were talking about this last night. Um, you, you, when, you, when your kids reach middle school, they begin to, and maybe now it's even earlier than that. You know, that's just it. Everything gets earlier these days. Um, but there is a change in their, in, it's, it's normal to have, the, they start acting differently. They start interacting differently. They're, they're, they're going to hold things more tight. You know, they're not going to be quite as open. Um, and I bet you weren't either. Um, you know, um, it, it, Becky and I agreed, both agreed that it's hard to determine what's rebellious and what's simply growing up. Um, and we would also say it's not, it's not such a matter of doing something. It's not like, okay, my kid's rebellious and so I better kick this in right now, you know. Um, it's, it's more of trusting God through that period of time. Um, I don't know if that makes sense to you yet or not, but it's not like, oh, now we're there, you know, so now we're going to do this. Um, it just kind of happened, okay? If I'm really vague about something and you really want to, <laughs> just raise your hand, okay? You know, push back on me and say, that doesn't make sense, or talk about that a little bit more, okay? All right? Um, both of our kids had their own way of being rebellious. Greg did it more quietly. <clears throat> you know, we never knew um, if he was. Um, and Nikki was like me. Um, I can't hide anything, and she couldn't really hide anything, and she didn't even try. So, <laughs> well, she did. I'm sure we didn't know. but. Um, Okay, this interesting thing here. Um, well, let me, let me go on. To, it, Becky sent me a text before coming over here. Um, <clears throat> she's from Minnesota, and she, she said, you know, if questions get into stuff that's, that uh, becomes very personal for our kids, she said, there are things we should just let them tell their story. Um, we don't really, uh, so I'm going to put this one down, okay? Okay. Um, <clears throat> Have you started training for the bike race with Nikki yet? Um, no. <laughs> remember, remember I brought the bike up and it was going to, uh, we won't take time on that story. <laughs> somebody, somebody threw that one in. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts, thoughts in exposing kids ages 6 through 12 to issues in the outside world? Um, gave it, you know, different examples, you know. I think we all know what we're talking about, all sin issues and violence and atheism, you know. Um, and, you know, interesting thing is we're not in, our, our kids were not in the world your kids are in. Uh, they didn't have cell phones or, 
laptops or iPads or, I mean, um, I, in some ways it's, um, I mean, you're, you're, you're at a whole nother level of, of challenge uh, than we were. Um, I would just say that um, you gotta be really aware of what's going on. I mean, Becky and I really tried to be aware of what's going on in the world um, so we didn't act like total idiots um, to our kids. You know, I mean, there's this balance. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, I think we did some of it right. I'm not sure we did it all right. Um, uh, I, I think you as a parent, uh, and, and probably in conversation with other parents, you really respect their values. Um, is I think you can learn from each other. You know, what, what is a realistic expectation? What, what should we say that our child can or cannot do? Um, um, you know, and, and, and I think, I mean, I'm just gonna state the obvious. You, you, don't want, you, don't, you do not wanna uh, uh, condone your child to do anything because they, they say to you, well, everybody else is doing it. You know, you don't wanna give in to that, that peer pressure. Uh, you have to, you have to establish what the standards are gonna be for your child. And they may violate them, but you've at least set those standards. Um, and, and, and you can't, you really gotta be firm on that because they'll test you. And all I would say is you don't, wanna, you don't wanna be a divided team as husband and wife, as parents. Um, you never wanna get into thing with, you know, where if one of you is more easygoing than the other, that your kids are gonna use you, the easygoing one, to get the, 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 you know, the tougher one to give in. You, if, if you're not a team with your kids, man, you've, you're, you're in a losing game. Um, you know, they, even if you disagree with each other, uh, disagree privately. Don't disagree in front of each other. I mean, I think those are some of the things that probably, maybe that's just real obvious to all of you, but I think those are bottom line, um, very, very important. Um, um, I, I, I would just say the other thing with this whole deal on, on lifestyle issues, uh, you, we can't be inconsistent ourselves, you know, on, on how we live. I mean, if we're telling our kids that something over here is wrong, but we're doing something over here that's wrong, man, we're, 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 sending, we're sending a mixed message to our kids. So we have a responsibility to, to, to live the life ourselves, to model the life. Um, and I think, I think that's as important as setting the boundaries and the standards for your kids. Okay, you know what I'm making sense? Okay, okay. Um, all right. I mean, I just, it's funny when you look back and think of the things that were were wrong when I was a kid. I mean, it's just humorous. Um, you know, I remember we had a debate in our church whether or not we could even go to a Billy Graham movie. I mean, is that nuts or what? You know, um, you know. But the, I think, unfortunately, the pendulum has swung so far to the other side. Um, and now, I I see a lot of. Well, I see. I'll say this. I see too many parents who are intimidated by their kids. They're, they want to be their kid's friend. So then they let their kids do what they, their kids want to do. And you just can't, you can't operate that way. You can't want to be your child's friend. Um, 
that's not what you are. You're their parent. Um, and yeah, you're their friend, but better not just operate out of being, thinking you're, you're their friend. Um, how to encourage kids to watch and play less TV and video games and have more family time and Jesus Bible time. Um, um, I would just say you gotta, you, you gotta decide what are the limits. How much TV time is there gonna be? How much time is there gonna play playing the video games? I mean, you're the adult, you're the parent. You just set what the, what the limits are, what the standards are. Um, and again, I, I say you gotta model it. If, if, if you're watching tons and tons of TV, if, that's, if the TV is on, your, in your, on in your house all the time, uh, boy, I tell you, you know, there's, again, you, you can't send mixed messages. Uh, I, think, I think a home is better off to have the TV off most of the time, personally, um, and only turn it on when you're going to watch it. Uh, I think there's just way too much background noise going on in homes these days. And, and there's something that's lost in just being able to have quiet. Um, and, and I think it starts very young with your kids. If, if you're planting your kids in front of the television set when they're really young because you're tired at the end of the day, um, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, I think you're, you're then setting things up for the future. Um, you know, I think, it, I mean, uh, um, it's great having the DVD players in the car when you take a trip. But I feel sad for parents that w when they drive around town or they take a trip and, and, and the whole time the DVD player's on and there's just no conversation. Some of our best conversations with our kids were in the car driving just from one place to another place in town or when we were on trips. Um, and so, I mean, I just don't, don't, don't isolate yourself in the, in the car. I mean, now we, we come from the days, it was crazy, you know, before seatbelt loss and all that, you know, and, and all the safety things. We had a Volkswagen Rabbit. Um, and I remember taking trips where all four of us were in the front. Um, <laughs> I, you know, and, and we, man, we had fun. Greg would be between me and the driving, you know, the steering wheel and Nikki be, and I mean, w it was cozy. We had a lot of fun, you know. But, you know, it's nuts, that's terrible that we did that, you know. But we had fun and we were interacting with each other and we weren't in our own little world with the kids watching video games, um, you know. Um, we had one family in a church years ago, they had a small car too. I think they had like 20 million kids, you know. Do you know who I'm talking about? And they were just, they were like, whoa, they were, they were just, it was, I mean, drive behind him and watch that car was just like alive. Um, but anyway, um, how can I be more patient in order not to get upset easily with my kids and husband? Um, all I this is what Becky said, okay? Maybe patient isn't what you need to be. To be. It depends on the situation. Um, a little hard to answer that question because maybe you need to be upset with your husband and impatient with your husband. Um, so I think you need maybe for this kind of situation, this is where, you know, having other people who can give you input, friends, Christian friends, 
you know, I think you need to ask yourself, am I on the scale of being a perfectionist? Am I way over here? Or are my expectations the right kind of expectations? And lots of times we can't see ourselves, so it's good to get outside input to something like that, okay? Um, what do you say to your son whom you demanded to stand up to bullies when he quotes scripture about turning the other cheek? Um, well, I'll just give you my opinion, okay? I would, I would say keep telling him to stand up to the bullies, okay? Um, you know, I'm, I, I still remember the day in grade school when I finally had it with Ronald Morkin. And, uh, I mean, that was his name. I kid you not, okay? Because he, 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 I had a certain nickname um, that could be used against me as a kid that was very hurtful. And, uh, and, and he would use it. And finally I had it, you know. And I can still see the side of the, the elementary school where I, I went after him and we had a fight. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I don't regret it. So, <laughs> I, so what do you say? I don't know. I, um, I don't know. Maybe after he's been beat up, I don't. Um, I just, I would just, I would just sit down with him and say, "There's a point at which you, there, there's another issue here, and it's that bullying cannot be allowed." Um, so if he, if he's, if he doesn't want to, if he doesn't want to give it back physically to the to that other person, then he needs to go to the authorities and talk to them with you maybe, uh, but bullying just cannot be allowed. That answer may sound way too simplistic because I'm, you know, I'm a little removed from that. It's hard, hard to remember. I'll never, never forget when Greg came in the house and we, we lived in a circle. Greg was very cautious. Nikki didn't know what the word caution meant, okay? Um, but Greg was very cautious. So when we first moved into the circle, he still had training wheels on his bike and there were a bunch of boys that were just slightly older than him in the circle. And he came in one day and he said to Becky, the, the boys have persuaded me that I should stop using my training wheels. <laughs> yeah, I bet they did. Um, you know, he, he, he was, you know, um, okay. How do you address the doubts your child has about such things as Noah's Ark when he says it's impossible for the, all the animals to live together that long and have enough to eat? Um, I'm guessing this is a first child uh, who asked these two questions. Sounds like a first child. Um, I don't think the second or third child would, would think of these things myself. But um, um, I, I say, first of all, it's a pretty smart kid to be thinking about that. Um, so I would really compliment him or her for, for saying that. I mean, they're really, they're really thinking this through. Um, how can all those animals live together for that long and have enough to eat? Uh, so I really, I, I wouldn't at all be negative about him asking that kind of question. I would really uh, affirm him or her in asking that question. And, and, then, and then I try to answer it, okay? Uh, you know, and, and not to just be flippant about it, but one of the things that I, I would say is, you know, it's, some of those things are a little hard to figure out. I mean, I've heard different ideas that they weren't all grown animals. They could have been baby elephants or whatever, you know. Uh, plus, uh, 
you know, there weren't as many species at, at that time, so they're, you know, um, one of each kind and, y you know, and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there weren't as many um, variations within a species. Um, so, um, but I, um, how God would do that, I mean, that's going to be one of the questions I'm going to ask, I guess, when I get up there, you know. Um, so there's people, I'm sure there's books you can read that would have the answer to that better. But in my mind, if God created the animals, and again, don't be flippant about this, but if God created those animals, he could certainly make things work for those animals inside of that art. Um, and and, and you've got to state the obvious, that there would be enough space and there would be enough food and, and, and all of that. But who knows? He could have put them to sleep during that whole period of time. They you know, I mean, anything, seriously, could have, could have happened, okay? Um, wow. Uh, how do you explain to your, your, this is a good one, how do you explain to your kids that not everyone knows God? For example, grandparents and, and family friends, okay? You know, that's, that's, a, that's a really thought, thoughtful question. That's a, that's a challenge, isn't it? Um, and what, what, I would, what I would say in talking with them with your, with your child is, you know, you know everybody makes choices. I, I would use it almost as a teaching opportunity that God gave everybody with that freedom uh, to choose what they would believe and what they wouldn't believe and what they would do and what they wouldn't do. And I would just say that, you know, grandpa and grandma or, you know, whoever it might be in the family, at this point, they haven't chosen to believe in Jesus Christ. They haven't chosen to believe what we believe um, and I mean uh, we would with our kids we would pray for family members um, so but we would we would speak of it in a very respectful way it was never putting that uh, that family member down just like you would never want to put anybody down because they don't believe what you believe um, and then of course behind all of that is you want to you want to give your child a sense that you have good reason to believe what you believe. But it's, it's going to happen. Okay. Um, um, I wish you could, part of this thing is I wish you could follow up with a question. I, I, um, any question from what I've said so far on, on these that you just go like, man, that doesn't make any sense. Help me a little bit more. Anything that you're still kind of stirring around in your mind from <laughs> what I've said? Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. So it's not even them bullying you, but them bullying somebody else. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we just had a, I just had a parent last week share with me uh, about their daughter who's in middle school um, being bullied right now by a group of other girls and what this is doing to her. Um, I mean, she wants to get dropped off at school at the very last minute and she wants to get picked up right away and she spends her whole evening in her rooms 
you know, in her room. I mean, it's just, it's awful. It's traumatic. Um, and you, I would just say, don't let your, don't let time just go by with your child having to live with that. Intervene for them. It's not, it's not the right thing for any, any person to have to go through. Um, you know, so I, I happened to, I, I, I seriously did go through my first six years of grade school with a bully who was after me. Um, and he, it wasn't Ronald, <laughs> it was another guy who was that much older than me, and for some reason he decided from the day I started first grade that I was his target, and if he found me alone somewhere, he, he literally would beat me up, uh, and, and so going to school for me was, it, was it, it, it had a certain amount of fear to it, and it was never dealt with. Um, you know, I remember the relief when he left uh, grade school and went on to seventh grade, so he went to a different school. I mean, it, you don't want your child to have to, have to live with that. Um, question about um, split homes, um, split beliefs, like one parent being a believer and the other parent not being a believer. And the question is at, uh, asking for advice on how to keep good values and morals and, and, and walking with Christ in your child's mind all the time. Um, and so, uh, Beck and I were talking about this last night. Um, you, um, again, this, this is where I wish, you, you know, I could interact with the person who asked the question because it, there's so many, um, so many aspects to this that are written between the words, you know. Um, I mean, there's what is the relationship between the two parents and, 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 and what really is happening. Uh, I mean, somebody, uh, it's possible for somebody not to share your beliefs in Christ and to be absolutely an incredible parent and a very moral person and very good and and, and all of that. So it, it's not just a matter of whether or not you share the same beliefs, but it's a matter of how is that other person, uh, whether it's your husband or wife in that situation. Um, so this gets, it gets very, it's, it's a difficult question to, to answer very far, uh, to go very deep into it. Um, and I, so not to be simplistic on this at all, because I really can't say, say any more, but I want to say this. As a, as a mom or dad in a situation like that, where the other person doesn't share your beliefs um, and, and, and maybe also doesn't share lifestyle issues that you value as a follower of Christ, what your child is going to be, just seeing it from the, the perspective of your child, what they're gonna be looking at is how you live, okay? and how you respond to the other person. And, and so it's very important that you work at a lifestyle that is consistent with what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's very important that you're treating the other parent with respect. Um, you know, and I don't mean, <laughs> this is where it gets complicated, okay. Um, <laughs> um, where I would change the word from respect to not being hostile toward that person is if there really isn't anything about that person that you can respect. I mean, if they're just truly a bad person, okay? You don't want to fake 
okay? Um, um, you don't want to say things about that person to your child that's not true, okay? You don't want to make up stories where you make them, make them look better than they really are. But you also don't want to be the person who is constantly bringing up things that are bad about the other person. You understand the difference? You don't, you don't make up stuff good about them that's not true, but you also don't keep pointing out all the bad stuff, okay? Because all you're going to do then is, is you're going to, you're, that child can have a lot of loyalty that, to that parent, and you, you don't want to create an, an antagonism between yourself and that child. Does that make sense? It's, it's, it's very tricky, very complex kind of a thing. Um, you want to, the other thing Beck and I talked about last night is you really want to take care of yourself. You want to be as healthy as you can be yourself, emotionally and spiritually and physically. And so you, you need to ask yourself, how much are you being affected by that other person? And, and I'm just saying, I'm not talking about somebody just because they believe differently than you. Uh, I'm talking about if they're, if they're truly not such a good person, not such a nice person. Um, and and if, if they've had a bad impact on you, you need, perhaps, you, you may need some help from a professional counselor to help sort out all of the, you know, how much you might have been affected by, the, by that other person, okay? Um, so we got, there's almost two different issues here. And, and um, one is beliefs, but uh, another one is, you know, moral issues and, and lifestyle issues, okay? Any, that's, this is really an important question, and I, I don't want to miss anything on that or create any misunderstanding. Any, anybody have a, a follow-up question to that at all where it maybe could be a little bit clearer? Not so much? Okay. All right. Um, okay. You know, I'll, I'll just say, I think this is true in any situation, what your kids are going to take away the most is who you are, how you live, you know, what they see in you as a person. They're just, kids just watch. Man, they, it's, so many times we think, we, we can think that it's, well, uh, you know, how good are we doing devotions and how good are we doing at this? And we, we can have a bunch of things that we think about. We have kind of a list of things we got to do. But I'll tell you what, in the long run, what the kids are looking at is how you live. They're looking at how you respond to other people. They're, they're, that's that's, that's going to that's gonna be the thing that's going to uh, draw them to Jesus Christ more than anything else. Um, and part of that, a big part of that is a willingness to say you're sorry and to humble yourself and acknowledge when you've totally blown it. Um, you know, if you're not willing to do that with your kids, man, you just, then, you, then, then, it, then things start feeling like hypocrisy to them. Um, you know, they don't expect you to be, and I'm not saying something you don't know here. I just think it's so important to emphasize because we can, we can think of all these do's thing, you know, we, got, we can make such a list of all the things we got to do as parents and we can forget the thing that's most important and that's what they see in us how we live and how we react to other people and what we say about other people. Um, you know, um, okay. Um, how do you teach your children to be confident in their faith in the midst of peer pressure? Boy, it's hard, you know. Um, 
I think it's, I think the strength of your relationship with them is very important. Uh, uh, showing as much as you possibly can that you understand what you're going through, maybe telling some of your own stories of what peer pressure did to you when you were a kid. Um, and, and trying your hardest to keep the door open for conversation. Uh, that's, um, that's such an important thing. If they feel like they can come and they can talk to you um, about what they're going through. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a challenge. Um, as my kids grow, grow, how do I help balance them having godly friends and worldly friends? Um, well, I personally, and if you mean my worldly friends, um, friends that don't share your faith, um, you don't want your friend, uh, see, this is where I think this is almost, the question has got three parts to it. Uh, there are some kids who share your faith or share the faith of your kid, of your child, that you, they might, they might go to the same church and they might share the same faith and go to youth group or go to Sunday school and do all of that, but they're just not good kids. I mean, I'll just call it what it is, okay? Um, I would rather have my child be around a, a, a kid who's really got it together the way he should act or she should act and not share the, share the faith of my child than have my child spend a lot of time with a kid who talks about being a Christian, and, and yet, man, they're just, they've, they've got behavioral, they're, they're disrespectful of their parents, and they, they, you know, it's just bad all the way around. Um, give me a good non-Christian friend, kid, anytime for my kids, all right? Uh, now, the ideal is, you, want, you do want to have your son and daughter to have some really good Christian friends. Those are critical. Um, that's why I'm a, I'm a big believer in having your children go through all the way through the ministry of a church. Um, and, and that includes middle school, you know, the youth group there and high school, even if they don't want to do it. Uh, boy, that, that would be one of our boundaries. That would, be, uh, that would be one of our things we would say, oh, yeah, you're going to do it. I don't care how much you don't feel like doing it. You're going to do it. Um, um, because whether they feel like they, they want it or need it, they got to have it. Um, so you just, there's just some things you got to expect. Um, but our, our kids were very involved with both. Um, Greg and, and Nikki, all the way through high school, they had a mix of both, both friends. Um, and, and, and sometimes it's a scary place to, to live, you know, with that, but it's just, it is what it is, <coughs> you know. I, I don't think that's surprising to anybody here, I'm guessing, um, okay? Um, you, you never wanna, you're making a big mistake if you, if you create the impression that you're better, <laughs> okay? Your kids are too good for other, other kids that don't share their, your faith. I think that's a huge, huge mistake. Um, um, it, it meant the world to, and I think I told you this last time here, I mean, it meant the world to us when, after Greg died and, and we're at his funeral service and to realize how many friends he had who were not believers and yet had so much respect for him and knew about his faith in Jesus Christ. Um, you know, so I, I think that's really important. Jeff, I hope I'm not going too slow on these. What, I got one minute left?
We've got a bunch more questions. Wow. Um, am I done? Two minutes? Okay. Uh, you know, there's, I had a number of questions about homeschooling and public schooling and, and um, homeschooling, public schooling, and Christian schools. They're all three good options, okay? You just got to know what's the best for your child. And what might be good for one child may not be good for the other one. Uh, don't expect your children to all necessarily do the same thing, um, you know? Um, just if you're if you're going to homeschool though, make sure you're really teaching. Okay, I mean, you got to do it if you're going to do it. You can't fool around. Um, um, yeah. More questions, Jeff. I I apologize. I you know probably should have gone faster on all of them, but uh, well. You know.